Thank you so much. Thank you, Brother Greg. Message and songs. That was a really good song, the men's song, I thought. One day at a time. Thank you for singing congregationally, too, and your fervor to love the Lord and worship Him today. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 35 once again. We've been looking at this chapter every Sunday this month, and this will be the final message, Lord willing, in this series of holiness, the highway of holiness, the holy highway. It's good to know there's a way of holiness, and we need to look at that. I hope you'll revisit this chapter much in your life as a Christian. I think we all have thought more about holiness in the last few months, more about death in the last few months than probably we ever have before, and rightly so, because we know that both of those are the avenues God uses to magnify what his purpose for us is in this life, that we're to be holy, and that's what brings us to God. Actually, he makes us holy by the blood of Christ, who is our holiness. But also, death is that departure that we all face from this life, and it's good to know that as we depart this life in death, it's not penal for a believer. It is, though, however, a way that God brings us to be in his presence in a place called heaven. And so it really should be something we embrace with much more um, joy than we actually do. And I think only realizing the merit of God's holiness in our lives will help us do that. Otherwise, we'll always cringe about facing the holy judgment of God. And we ought to if it's only based on our own selves because none of us have any righteousness within us. The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. But when we do that in the merit of Jesus, oh goodness, what a joy it is to see that when we enter into that realm of grace and final finality with Christ in heaven, that we'll have no struggles with sin and pressing toward the marks that God has blessed us, showed us to do here on earth. Well, the highway of holiness is magnified in Isaiah 35. Look at verse 8 for a few minutes, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. There's only 10 verses in this most powerful chapter. And an highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those. The wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Notice there is a prominent way. It is a way of holiness, and it's the way of life for the Christian. And we need to be looking for that and walking that way. We're going to find our happiness and joy in that avenue of grace. The way of holiness, the unclean shall not pass over, but it shall be for those. The, right, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not see therein. It's not necessarily for the theological elf or the, those that, do a lot of things necessarily, but maybe just simply trusting in Jesus. Faith is what it's about. It's about trusting that Jesus died for our sins, that he gave us his righteousness, and not only did we die with him when he died for us on the cross, we rose with him too, so therefore we have his powerful Holy Spirit to enable us to do just what he's called us to do, and that is to be holy. In verse 9, the Bible says, No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. 
it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And walk is a daily deal. One step at a time is how you walk. And my subject today, dealing with holiness, is daily holiness. It's a walk. And you know, the journey begins with the first step. And the first step that God has given us to take is just clean the table and confess our sins. And believe that when we do, as God says in 1 John, that when we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to cleanse us from all iniquities and to make us the righteousness that we are in Christ. What a blessing that is. And then in verse 10, And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the, the merit of what God has done for you and me. And, you know, God is certainly more concerned with our holiness than He is our happiness. But here's the deal. that's sort of a paradox. God has given us His principles, so to speak, so that we're happier when we're holier than we are any other time. And so the joy that we have is because of God providing this way of holiness and that he's called us to walk in it in the way that we're doing it one step at a time, one day at a time. And so that's our thoughts today as we think about this from this chapter in Isaiah chapter 35. So we want to talk about daily holiness. And I want to, I want to say as we think about holiness, I want to make sure we're reminded of some principles that I've tried to make as clear as I know. Because listen, holiness is not a very popular subject. It's not. Among Christians, I know that everybody in here, when I say that you're holy and you are, you're not going to agree with me. And that's how God works it, okay? Because the more you see the light of God in your life, He's going to show more of our sins. And so the more sins we see, the more less likely we think that we're holy. But that's, that's good. If you're struggling with believing in holiness and walking that way, you thank God for that. Because that's how God keeps us near the cross, okay? And so, so holiness, though, is not a very popular. I'll tell you something else. The devil hates it. I've told you about the sleepless nights I had before I started this series. And I'm going to tell you, the devil is on top of us. And we've got to understand that God has called us, though, to be holy. Now, you either believe that or not. God says, and we saw those scriptures in, in Hebrews where he says, without holiness, no man shall see God. And we understand that's not the holiness of Jesus. There's three main parts for a believer. Every born-again Christian or every true Christian will go through three deals. One is uh, new birth. Only God can burn, birth you again. You have the two births. You have your natural birth and you have the uh, supernatural birth through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you're born again. Secondly, as you're born again, you become aware that you're a sinner, that you've missed the mark, that you see your struggle with, with why you do what you do and why don't you do what you ought to do. And so then you have justification. Every true Christian has to be justified. What justification is, is a declaration that God makes by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the finished work of the cross, that he imputes his righteousness into you and me. So that it's just as if you never sinned. And nothing can ever change that. 
No, no unholiness can change that at all. In other words, that's God's holiness that he's given you. Because God is holy, we have to be holy. And so God has given us his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within us. Well, why do we still struggle with sin? It shows us that we have this power, this, this power that we have this called sin, this lingering power still, still has a root in us. So, so everything based on born again, every true believer will be born again. Every true believer will be justified freely by his grace. It's not something you earn. It's not something you have to work for. It's God. And then thirdly, there's sanctification. Now here's where the rubber meets the road on the highway of holiness. Sanctification is uh, not an event. It's a process. It's a work in progress. And so what it means is this is the, the holiness that the Bible shows us in Hebrews 12, verse 14, where he calls us to be holy, to pursue holiness, to be ye holy, without which no man shall see God. That is not the holiness of Jesus. We cannot work to make us any holier than God has made us by his justifying free grace of giving us his spirit. But now sanctification is the, the harder part for us because it's the part we play. Since God has made us holy, he's given us his Holy Spirit, and he, we still have to struggle with sin, then that, that's kind of a deal here. It's a battle going on. And we saw that last time, that holiness is difficult. And so we want to see that we need to see it, deal with it each day, else it will overwhelm us. So I want to try to deal with three parts of, or points for this message on daily holiness. One, I want to talk about is we need to count the cost. You're going to have to count the cost, and you're going to have to make up your mind how you want to live the rest of your life. It doesn't mean that you're going to make it just every day like you want it, but you've got to live it one day at a time. You've got to wake up, say, oh God, thank God for this day. Let us be holy and rejoice in it. Oh God, help me be holy in this day. And then secondly, I want us to consider the cross. Because daily holiness has called us to consider the cross. Jesus says, if you're going to be my disciple, take up your cross daily. Now, it's not the same cross that Jesus died on that we're to take up. Just like justification is not the same holiness that we're to pursue. But we have a daily cross, all of us do. Yours is different than mine. Mine is different than yours. But he says, you take it up daily and follow me. And then... And then the last thing I want to say is, is we have to state our status. If we're going to be holy and we're going to really pursue holiness, and I believe everybody in this room does and everybody listening, I believe that you want to be a holy person because God has called you that way and he's given you the principles, the intricate principles to bring that out of you that, yes, I want to be holy. But, but we have to deal with it because we're living in a world that is not holy. And God does not take us out of the world. When he saves us by his grace, we're living in an unholy world. We are. And we need to thank God and ask God. We're, we're living in an era that we need holiness. And we might not have want to say it. We might not want to pronounce it because we feel like we're going to look too churchy. Or we're going to be so holy. And we, want to, we just kind of stride from that. I do too. But I'm going to tell you, I believe with all my heart, we're living in a time where the call for Christians to be holy, 
to be the people that God has redeemed us to be is more needful than ever. We're living in a country that is just a, a tip away, I believe, from a, from a civil uh, uprising. I believe that. I believe that we're so close to, to just chaos everywhere. We need to settle down and we need to wonder, so God, let's take time to be holy. You think God's not calling us to be holy? He's called his people to be holy and all the time. I've said before, there's scriptures we can find where God has always used pandemics and he's always used plagues to either destroy an unholy nation or call a holy nation that has strayed from holiness back to holiness. And I pray that God would help us see that and see the merit of it, of being holy. What is holy? Holy is your character. Holy is to be done personally. It's to be done daily. If you're not going to be holy in your home, in your everyday walk, it makes no difference for you to come to church and try to be holy. Our holiness must begin in your personal life before God. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not how you dress or it's not all those things may have a part of it. What it is, though, is your character that you're willing to make all your life, make all your life under the scrutiny of God, every thought you think. Every way, every decision you make, you're not hiding any sin anywhere. You're ready for God to take your life each day and examine it. And you're ready like David to say, search me, O God, and try me and see if there's un some unclean way in me and show it to me. And you know, that's a part of the cost. The cost of holiness is being honest with God and being able to say, God, I'm just coming to you because I need you so much. Because here's the deal, nobody will ever stay with Jesus. I mean, you might come, but you won't stay with Jesus until you understand why you come to Jesus and you understand how much you need him. And holiness will only, will only do that. Nothing else will. Oh, how we need him and how we bless him. Okay, let's look at daily holiness from the parts of life that deal, first of all, with count the cost. And it's going to cost you something. You probably have businesses, a lot of you do. And you, what do you do? You say, what am I going to make? What's it going to cost me? What's it going to cost me a day to run my business? I mean, you kind of break it down, don't you? You do. And you know what? There's really no time not to be holy. There's not. Ecclesiastes talks about a time to live and a time to die, time to laugh, time to cry. But that doesn't apply to holiness. We're to be holy all the time because God is holy all the time. There's no excuse for not being holy. There's not. We ought to be holy all the time. You know, I used to be driving to Athens to different places and had a lot of dairies up that way, and, and I would wonder. I said, you know, those dairies, they work seven days a week. I mean, you've got to milk those cows every day. You can't say, well, I'm going to just knock off on Friday and go fishing. I mean, you know, you've got to deal with it. I mean, these hospitals and people that are dealing with all the sicknesses and so faithful they are, that's a 24-7 that's a deal. We're in this situation because sin is worse than any pandemic. It's first, worse, so, so much worse than the COVID virus. And yet we seem to just say we're going to wink at it and God is not serious about it and we try to belittle it. And I pray that God would help us magnify that. Maybe I just need to say this to make sure I want it too, because, you know, you got to preach to yourself so many times. If you can't, 
it don't make any difference. But count the cost. Everyday holiness. I remember when I did forestry work, uh, when I would work with a landowner, they'd call me over and they'd say, you know, this is what um, I want you to do or whatever, or how much is this timber worth? And I would say, well, what is your objectives? I said, don't you think it'd be better to make a management plan? <laughs> make a plan about this? And it always works out better. You, you see that in your life. Some of you are teachers and, and, and you're busy. You have a plan. And we need to have a plan for daily holiness. You know, whether that's right, reading your Bible, uh, prayer. And I know you're all involved in this. It just comes with it because God gives us this, this tune of heart that calls us to holiness. But here the devil is, he will do everything to interrupt that. You got to know that. So, so that's why we need to count the cost, you know, because we have to understand it's going to cost us something if it really matters to us and to God. Anything worthwhile will cost you something. Now, make sure you understand. I, I hope I've made this clear dealing with this subject. It's not a cost of salvation. You understand that, don't you? I'm not talking about how much does it cost you to be saved. I'm talking about what does it cost you to act like you're saved? How, how much does it cost you to make your life so that you're like poured out water or wine for God that he uses you to make your life usable? Because God is not going to use us if we're not holy. You hear me good? He's not. He's not going to use us because he's holy. So he's continually bringing us to the point of being holy so we can be fit for the master's use. He's cleaning out these vessels and he's making us vessels of mercy and not vessels of wrath. And there's a big, big difference in that. But there's a cost in it. Our salvation, eternal salvation, costs the blood of Christ. We can't pay for that. It was paid in full by the blood of Jesus. But we have a cost that God has brought us to once that happens, that we're to take up our cross, deny ourselves, take it up daily, and follow him. It's going to cost you something. First of all, it's going to cost you your righteousness. See, it's easier sometimes to deal with our sin than our pride. See, that pride, that's, that's that part of our deceitful heart that's in there. All of us got some of it. But you know what? we got to understand this. It's going to cost you that. You're going to have to understand that it's not your righteousness that makes you holy. It's Christ. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. And his righteousness is pure. And it will give you everything you need to bring you to the point of daily holiness. Does it mean that you're not going to sin? It does mean, though, that when you do, you'll know it. And you'll be willing to confess it. And you understand the cost of that sin is breaking fellowship with God. And for a true Christians, that is the worst thing that can ever be. And so that's why we look at that and we see that cost. It'll cost you your rights. It'll cost you your sin, too. It will. And I don't think we realize that. You know, and, and I'm not, I don't know, I'm not on every page. I don't do Facebook, and I, I'm kind of old-fashioned in a lot of ways and all that. But I'm going to tell you, just a glimpse I hear here around, you probably, maybe you probably already know, would be shocked at what the average 6th, 7th, and 8th, and ninth grader student in today's world are exposed to of sin and lifestyle right in their school, 
language. I mean, you'd be shocked. Another thing that we'd be shocked of is how many parents promote it, promote sexual promiscuity, I mean, right in their own home. I mean, this is shocking to me. But that's how we're living. That is the world we're in. And and so God has called us, though, to be holy. It will cost you something when you really take a stand on what God says. When we really see this is what God says, and this is what I'm going to try to live like. And don't be afraid that you're going to offend somebody, or don't fold into this uh, plea that you get from the world. Now, don't you be judgmental. (laughs) I mean, mean, we really miss that, don't we? I mean, the Bible says the, right, the, judgment, the righteous judges all things. God has given you a heart to know right from wrong. And God has called you to be holy. But it will cost you your sin. It will cost you, you know what Jesus said? Jesus says if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. If you, if you steal with your right hand, you cut it off. What is he talking about? He's talking about a daily way of holiness, everyday holiness. He's not talking about to be saved. He's talking about to be holy with God. So, you know, I was thinking, some of you might not get this. This is an illustration that goes way back. But I remember growing up, you cut a tree down with a chainsaw, you know, and, and a standing tree. Now they've got the mechanized deals, you know, and I grew up with a logging industry some. And, and you can take a tree, and I've done this not, not too long ago, and you can take a saw and you cut that tree, but if you want it to fall a particular direction, you can notch it on one side. You notch it on the side you want that tree to fall. That is, you take something out of it. See, if, if you want your life to go the direction of holiness, now if that's what you really want, you're going you're gonna to have to give up something. You're going to have to take something away. You know, we're, we're not likely... We want that very much by our nature. We want more. But see, see, what God does to make us holy, he takes some things away. He can take things away. But you notch that tree, and then you cut it on the other side, and that tree will fall in a direction that you got it notched. I remember, I remember a logger years ago come up in the time they were mechanizing, and he didn't go for that. He just had chainsaws. I went out to his woods one day, and I said, Mr. Bo, I said, how is it that you're getting more loads than these guys with this mechanized equipment have been getting? He never, I never forget what he told me. He said, well, Randy said, all I do, he says, I just keep one leaning all the time. I keep one leaning. What he's talking about, he had that change on the woods, and he just kept one leaning all the time. You know, if we want to go holy route, if we want to be holy, and we want to deal with God the way God deals with us, and we're going to work out the salvation that he's given us, we're going to have to keep on leaning all the time. We have to be consistent about the direction that we're going in our life. And we do that, the word of God is like that sharp saw. You know what? This is sword, uh, but it's a part of our Christian armor, it, it is. David said in Psalm 119, he said, he says, uh, how can a young man cleanse his way but by taking heed unto thy word? The word of God cleanses us. He says in Psalm 119, again, he says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That way, that, way, that direction. You put the word of God in your life and you make that a plan of your study or of your 
uh, approach to God and your uh, discipline of holiness and wanting to be on that highway, then you know what? God will direct you in the right direction. That's the living word of God. So there's a cost of holiness. Count the cost. Secondly, consider the cross. Turn with me, uh, because we gotta, we got to see this as a, daily, as a daily struggle. It's not easy. That's what the cost is. It costs. Another thing it's going to cost you is a favor with the world. You're going to have to lose some friends if you're going to be holy and want to be holy. You are. You're going to have to understand that everybody's not going to like you. And that's how it was with Jesus. But I was going to ask you to turn with Romans 6. We, I think we visited there the other day. I want to go back there just for a second because I'm dealing now with considering the cross and that's approach to our holiness. Romans chapter 6, look at verse 11. So this is how we deal with daily holiness. Daily holiness. Now it doesn't mean, again, that you're going to be perfect and not consider commit a sin, but it's going to mean this, when you got knocked down, you know, the Bible says, the righteous fall to seven times and rise again, but the wicked are not so. So we're going to have to have power each day, day by day, and where do we get this? We get it from the cross. Notice verse 11, Romans 6, likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. All right, there's two focuses that I'm going to tell you, and I believe, and I'm going to try to believe, that is really, really paramount with understanding how we deal with holiness every day. The number one thing is you have to focus and you have to believe that you died with Jesus on the cross when he died. And that means, why did he die? For sin. So that sin will not reign in your mortal body. Doesn't mean you don't have some of it. We do. But it doesn't reign. That means it doesn't control us. Why? Because we died to it when Christ died. All right, look at the other part of that verse. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Secondly, the second focus, firstly, is focusing that you died with Jesus on the cross. That he believed, you believe that, you trust that. That you died to sin and the penalty of it and the power of it. And that you did that because of Jesus, that you were in Christ. But then how do we deal with the battle that we fight every day? Well, there it is, the power of the Holy Spirit. God gave you the Holy Spirit. That is the Holy Spirit. You are purchased by the blood of Christ, and God gives you the Holy Spirit. Now, when was that Holy Spirit given? It wasn't given in the Old Testament like it is in the New. But when was it given? The Holy Spirit wasn't given because you cry out for it, though we are to ask for it. The Holy Spirit was given when Jesus ascended to heaven. When he was glorified, when the New Testament Spirit is given, so that we have his Spirit, we have his Holy Spirit, and so we need to understand that in us, in you, in me, is the Holy Spirit of God. And His purpose is to make us holy by guiding us, by comfort us, by bringing us to understand the commitment that is necessary and enabling us to do it. God has given us the yearning, the desire to be holy, but He enables us to be holy when we consider the cross. When we consider the cross, 
makes us holy. When you think about what Jesus done for you, you know, when I think about my Lord and your Lord the same way and what he's done for me, I'm ashamed that I haven't been more conformed to holiness in my life. I mean, it keeps us near the cross. It keeps us understanding that, that we need Jesus. It brings us to contentment. You know how the Apostle Paul learned to be content in Philippians 4? He was in prison, and yet he says, I have learned to be content in all things. See, that is holiness. See, being holy doesn't necessarily mean what you do. It's also what you don't do. It's not only sins of omission. It's sins of commission, but sins of omission as well. And so what is that? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Gives us patience, gives us faith. And so what a blessing it is, but we consider the cross because that is the sin. We measure it from God and what his word says about it. Now, Galatians 5.16, you know what he says? He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice the sequence of that. He says, you walk it in the spirit, one step at a time. That's the holy highway. And when we do that, then we're not going to fulfill the lust of the spirit or the flesh in our life. And we have it. But we have the power within us. And that is a great testimony to God. And brings me to my last point is this. State your status. In other words, you might say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The fact that Jesus died for our sins. What does that do to us? You know, I've done this before. I have done marriages. Many preachers and other officiants have. You pronounce somebody married, their status changes. They're not single anymore. They're married. But their state moves on. That is growing in that relationship. Justification is your status. You are holy. I want you to understand that as much as God would help you. You are completely, purely holy. That will never change. God has given you his holiness. But the state of that is the progress that we go through in this life, seeking, being sought in light, and dealing with our lives from the aspect that God gives us in our way. But you know, what, what happens to our daily holiness, and I think here's where we miss the mark, is we got to have daily faith. we got to have faith, because faith and holiness go together. Faith in God's promises, that he has made you holy. See, it's not about what you do, it's who you are. Who you are in Jesus, okay? I was reading in Leviticus 25, there's a place there, there there's a sabbatical, a seven-year rest that God told Israel. He commanded them to uh, let their... Crops rest the seventh year of the land. But he says, I'm going to do this, God says. God says, I'm going to give you enough crop uh, bounty on the sixth year that you won't have to plant anything on the seventh year. He says, let it rest. I mean, did Israel do that? <laughs> no. Why didn't they? Because they didn't believe God. They didn't have faith in God. Why don't we do the thing? You hear things about your, your life, and I do too, and we say, you know, you might say, I sure need to do that. I need to quit this. But we don't do it. We get in our cars and trucks, we go home, we don't do it. You know? Why is that? Because we don't really believe it. Well, why do you think people don't want, want to pursue holy? Because they don't really believe that, that that makes any difference. 
I mean, that, that's how it is. You know, why is it that people do things that are dishonest and don't wait on God's uh, timing in their life? Because they don't believe that God will do it. Why, why is there so much uh, uh, sexual promiscuity among people uh, in an extramarital affair? You know why? Because they don't believe God. They don't believe what God said about it. They don't believe that God will bless them in a greater way if they're, if they're adhering to his word. I mean, I mean, it's just amazing how that goes. So really, what we need to understand is we're not holy because we don't believe God. And we're putting that in God's face. I'm, I thought about, uh, what is it, 1 Thessalonians. Let me read that right quick. It'll help me and you too. 1 Thessalonians, in the fourth chapter, this is what it says. And it says, as clear as we can see, if I can find this place, I know it's in this book. This holy book of God. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7 and 8. Therefore, brethren, wait a minute, I'm looking at 3, verse 7 and 8 of chapter 4. For God, it says, hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And that's what God has called you and me to. Okay? He, therefore, that despises, despises not man, but God. You know what that's saying? If we don't think that's the way we need to be living, then what we're really doing is despising God. If we're going to let this world decide for us the, the, the measurement of, of how we need to live, then what we're really doing is spitting in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ that has called us to be holy and enabled us to be holy in that way. You know, Isaiah chapter 6, you're talking about stating your status? That's what you're doing as believers, how you live your life. It doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher or you go to some mission trip. doesn't mean that you have to go to Bible conference. What it means, though, is that you're willing to live every day as if God saved you. I mean, if you're willing to state yourself, are you saved or not? Are you a Christian or are you not? I mean, that is the fact. I mean, that is how you live your life, that you're stating that by your lifestyle, by your, your need of Christ. You know why you came to him, and you know that you need him to keep you where you want to be because you cannot do this on your own. It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Isaiah, he stated his status. Now, Isaiah was saved, completely saved, when he met that vision in Isaiah 6. And you remember he saw the holiness of God. And he says, oh, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. We'd all say that, wouldn't we? Now Isaiah didn't say that because he was unsaved. He was saying that because he was. See, you'll never get holy because, you know, don't wait to get holy until you're holy. You won't ever make it. What you do, though, is do it daily. When Isaiah saw that, he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live in a place with unclean people yet here's that altar come a, a coal from the altar you remember was taken and put on his lip and cleansed him and then Isaiah said Lord here I am send me I will go he was stating his status that yes I believe that God has cleansed me now listen you and I all would take freely the from the hand of the Lord Jesus forgiveness off his cross his death we want it. Shout the house down. 
But we're going to have to take his resurrected spirit just as freely and say, oh God, you've given me your power. I want to be holy. I want to live for you. I want to die in this life with a testimony of what you've done for me by loving me so fervently and faithfully. You know, really, faith, and I'll close, is nothing less than obeying the revealed will of God and trusting Him for results. Now, you're willing to do that because that will cost you something. It's going to cause you to consider the cross, and it's going to make you state your status of being holy. May the Lord bless us to do it daily because really, you know, all of us would say, I know I'd be willing to say, I'm not living my best. I don't believe I am. I don't. I, you probably wouldn't either. But I want to. I do. I want to. I want to live what God has called me to live. And I believe that he's given you and me the spirit to do it. To be holy. To pursue holiness in our life. But I pray, I pray that the Lord would bless us to see our need of Him, and to rejoice the calling that He has given us to be holy, to be separated from the world. You know, heaven is a holy place, and God is preparing us for there. He's making us holy. He's made us holy positionally. He's making us holy practically. And this is the holiness we're talking about. May the Lord help us to rejoice in what he's called us to do. To see sin what, it's, what it is. To know that Jesus died for our sins. And we are oh so thankful as we call out to him, Oh God, bless your holiness. Make it so beautiful. You know, we need to redefine beauty and see the beauty of holiness. That we see it every day. Like Greg brought out with the children's church. Those nature Parts. We see God's footprints everywhere. That is a part of our daily holiness. I'm convinced of that. To be satisfied with that and be looking for that. To be sensitive to that in our life. Maybe trusting forever and bless His holy name. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your holiness and giving it to us. God, we can't imagine. We don't even know how to wear it most of the time. But we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the robes of your righteousness. Help us, O oh Lord, not to keep them in the closet, but to live a life that would magnify your glory and to state, Lord, what you've done for us inwardly as we do it outwardly in our life, in our conversation, in our response to life. Uh, how we deal with trials and trouble and heartbreak. We thank you so much for being our God and the power of the Holy Spirit Help us, Lord, never to diminish his purpose in making us holy. Today, O oh Lord, is the day that your holiness will be shown in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.